and welcome to The Turbulent World with me, James M. Dorsey, as your host. Indian politicians and commentators have rallied in defense of anti-migrant sentiment in Europe to forge alliances and undercut criticism of Hindu nationalism that targets minorities, foremost Muslims. In response to criticism, most recently by the European Parliament, of India's handling of violent ethnic clashes in the northeastern state of Manipur, in which some 130 people were killed, the pundits seek to bolster right-wing and autocratic resistance to meaningful discussions about migrant, minority, and human rights. The European Union has already put those discussions on the back burner by focusing instead, for example, in Tunisia, on enlisting autocrats to deter illegal immigration. This week, the European Union signed an agreement with Tunisia that provides the North African country with $118 million to stop smuggling, strengthen borders, and return migrants. In addition, the EU has offered Tunisia a $1 billion loan to help resolve its economic crisis, provided the country successfully concludes an agreement with the International Monetary Fund. The EU-Tunisia agreement stipulates that migrants should be treated with full respect of human rights. Yet, in recent weeks, Tunisia has forcibly taken hundreds of black sub-Saharan Africans to the desert and hostile areas on the border of Libya and Algeria after racial unrest in Sfat, Tunisia's second largest city. Tunisian President Kais Saeed has accused migrants of plotting to change the country's demographics in conjunction with traders who are working for foreign countries. In the same vein, men like Ram Madhap, a member of the executive of Rashtriya Swayama Sabak Sang, or RSS, the Hindu nationalist cradle of Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi, and former Secretary General of Modi's ruling Bharatariya Janata Party, or BJP, and retired Major General Harshar Kakar, have sought to reduce Europe's migrant problem to one of Muslim resistance to integration and or assimilation. The question of integrating immigrant Muslims into mainstream societies as equal citizens is bothering many countries today. Rising lawlessness, street violence, gangsterism, mushrooming growth of madrasas and Arabic school, increasing insistence on speaking in Arabic, wearing head-to-toe burqa, and occupying large public spaces for daily prayers have been seen by many in the West as deliberate acts of defiance to nation-state ideology, Mr. Madhav said in one of his weekly Indian Express columns. In another column, Mr. Madhav noted, referring to those fleeing Nazi Germany, that European immigrants had not had much problem integrating with the French mainstream. For his part, Mr. Cacard charged migrants in Europe constitute a time bomb. In an implicit echo of Hindu nationalist tropes, Mr. Kakar asserted 
that immigrants, especially in Europe, where they are considered cheap labor for the economy, do not have loyalty to their new country. Mr. Cocard quotes a French politics expert as saying that in France, most ghetto residents disrespect France. They hate it, and they don't want to integrate. Messieurs Madhav and Kakar's argument reinforces right-wing and autocratic reasoning that economic development and the fight against terrorism take precedence over human rights. Egyptian general-turned-president Abdel Fattah al-Sipsi has stepped further by insisting that lack of education, a roof above one's head, inability to secure a job, and no hope for the future constitute violations of one's human rights. Even so, the argument of Messrs. Madhat, Kakar, and Al-Sisi is self-incriminating, given that poverty and lack of opportunity in developed and developing countries stem mainly from failed government social and economic policies and a lack of good governance on both sides of the divide. Mr. Kakar acknowledged the social and economic disenfranchisement and perceived racism driving violent protests like those recently in France, but attributed the cause to the inability to integrate immigrants into society mainly because numbers are large and beyond the ability of the state to manage. Beyond absolving the state of its responsibilities, putting the onus on migrants, and ignoring that Europe's labor shortage makes addressing social and economic inequities a necessity, Messrs. Mudhoff and Kakar's attempts to reinforce European anti-migrant and anti-Muslim sentiment seem to be designed to forge a common ground that would shield India from criticism of Mr. Modi's questionable Hindu nationalist policies. Lost in the pundit's argument is that Europe's generations of migrants and their descendants were initially on the continent at European countries' invitation. In 1975, the Paramaribo Express, the airlink between the Suriname capital and Amsterdam, was overbooked as the Netherlands offered citizenship in advance of the Latin American countries' independence to any Surinamese in the Dutch mainland on or before a specific date. North European countries invited many North Africans, Turks, and South Europeans as guest workers in the 1960s and 1970s, but failed to integrate them on the mistaken assumption that their stay would be temporary. Additionally, Western aid, economic, and foreign policies frequently disadvantaged developing economies and supported autocratic, often corrupt regimes in Africa and Asia that stymied equitable economic development at home. The vast numbers of irregular migrants currently arriving on European shores and flooding the United States border with Mexico are partially due to those policies. To be fair to Messrs. Madhav and Kakar, European anti-migrant sentiment is genuine and cannot be ignored. India can serve European liberals, not so much as a model, but rather as a warning from which they can learn 
said politics scholar Jörg Friedrichs. One lesson Europe can learn is that when trying to accommodate minorities, ruling elites must not lose touch with prevailing perceptions of fairness among the majority, Mr. Friedrich said. Another is that majorities should resist the lure of narcissism or self-righteousness to avoid being trapped in hypocrisy. Mr. Friedrichs likened Europeans' narcissistic image of themselves as torchbearers of democracy and human rights to Hindu nationalist assertions that Muslims should be taught a lesson if they exploit Hindu tolerance and generosity. Noting that many followers of populist parties in Europe and Mr. Modi are disenchanted liberals rather than rabid nationalists, Mr. Friedrich suggested that instead of alienating them further, liberals should try to gain them back by showing that they care about the majority at least as much as about minorities. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed today's column and podcast. The Turbulent World with James M. Dorsey depends on the support of its readers. For the past 12 years, I have maintained free distribution as a way of maximizing impact. I am determined to keep it that way. However, to avoid putting up a paywall, I need the support of a core of voluntary paid subscribers to cover the cost of producing the column and podcast. If you believe that the column and podcast add value to your understanding and that of the broader public, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. You can do so by clicking on Substack on the subscription button at www.jamesmdorsey.substack.com and choosing one of the subscription options. Thank you. Take care and best wishes. Thank you.